everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this, the second episode of 2024, we're reviewing two movies based on a poem, which is, what, what was their face? I mean, they're not, the movies aren't based on poems, really. Okay. Then what's the, what, what's the connection of this the, episode the, before the, we re- re- release the movies? The movies are both based on novels by different authors, and those authors wrote those novels inspired by a poem that they both disagreed with. Okay. Uh, 2007 Stardust and uh, 2004's Hell's Moving Castle. Yeah. This is... Uh, I feel like this is going to be the one that's going to be most difficult for me to, like, try and do a summary that, fil- that you know, encompasses both of them. But I'll give it a shot. These are both movies about um, a romance of sorts, slightly unconventional, um, involving a white-haired woman with magical properties and a handsome dork and the adventures they go on together as they fallen up. Have you got the original poem? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to read the original poem? Yeah, might as well. Okay. This set, is the, set in the atmosphere. Very uh, unconventional for, for us as, you know, as a podcast that we start off by reading a poem. Um, so it's called Go and Catch a Falling Star by John Donne. And it goes like this. Go and catch a falling star. Get with child and man... Oh my god, I've, I've tripped up already. Let me start again. Go and catch a falling star. Get with child a mandrake root. Tell me where all past years are or who cleft the devil's foot. Teach me to hear mermaids singing or to keep off envy's stinging and find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. If thou beest born to strange sights, things invisible to see, ride ten thousand days and nights till age snow white hairs on thee. Thou, when thou returnest, wilt tell me all strange wonders that befell thee, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. If thou find'st one, let me know. Such a pilgrimage were sweet, yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet, though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come, or two, or three." Uh, so it's very misogynist, um, and the premise of the poem is essentially all women are uh, unfaithful and terrible, and if you think you've found a woman who is an honest woman, you haven't. Um, <laughs> and the, the poem is essentially saying, you could like here's a list of impossible things you could do, and you could do all of these before you could find a woman who's not going to cheat on you. Um so we have two different authors who have gone, uh, no, screw you, <laughs> that's not accurate. And, and made lovely, wonderful fantasy novels about it, um, and then those have been adapted into films. Is Stardust a standalone novel? I think Stardust is standalone, Hell's Moving Castle is not. Mm. It's the first in a trilogy. Yeah, because Hell's Moving Castle definitely has a less... Like, they lived happily ever after. It's sort of like, uh, cool, yeah. now they're off on another adventure. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, also, uh, I believe, because I haven't read the books, I've read about the books, and I'm, I actually, I kind of want to read both these books, so I'm, I might buy myself them. I was literally, as we were watching, I was like, looking up on <laughs> Mighty Ape, like, oh, they do have Howl's Moving Castle, the book. Um, they also have Stardust, but it's more than twice the price. Well. Because I guess Neil Gaiman is more of a well-known name these days. Yeah, um. I have looked at a couple of his books and interest to read them in the future. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed um, what we watched recently. Good Omens. Good Omens. Yeah. Um, hopefully that continues. And um, something I bought two seasons of and then didn't realise it was based on books because I watched the... I think I watched the first episode, uh, New, Go um, New Gods. Okay. Which is a very interesting story. Um yeah. And uh, for those who don't know, it's basically like the old gods dealing with the new gods, and the new gods are all, you know, the things we've worshipped in the, you know, since the Industrial Revolution. Um, and then, you know, some mortal guy who's, you know, spoilers, isn't what he seems to be, you know, dealing with this weird war between old gods and new gods. Mm. Um, it's funny, because I... I have not read any Neil, any Neil Gaiman, including Good Omens, which is which was co-written with my favorite author. Yeah. But I have read a lot of Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Um, and he also writes about about gods being, you know, wished into existence by essentially by yeah. by people who who believe in it. And uh, a particularly good book, which is a standalone kind of in in because a lot of Terry Pratchett Discworld novels are series, and then some of them are you could read them without reading any others and it's one called small gods and it's following a god who has lost so much power that he's now just like a turtle because he only has one person on the planet who believes him so he's trying to like get that one person to spread the word of his <laughs> his godliness so that he can go back to being a full god makes sense which is fun um as the concept of D&D &D invades more and more of the zeitgeist of our common era. So much stuff is just like a D&D &D campaign. Oh, you think that these were? Stardust definitely felt like a D&D &D campaign. I, do you know what it reminded me of? And it's funny because um, when, I, when I looked up trivia about it, there was a particular piece of trivia that I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it reminded me of the adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah, it did a little bit. Yeah, yeah and the, what the piece of trivia was that they originally wanted Terry Gilliam to write and direct it. Right. Um, and he didn't want to because he'd just done The Brothers Grimm. Right. And he didn't want to do another fairy tale type movie. Yeah, that movie's okay. Yeah, I um, really like Stardust. For the record, I say this as if this is the first time I've watched it. I've seen Stardust multiple times before. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Also, House Moving Castle. Yeah. Both very good movies. I had not seen Stardust, but I definitely watched House Moving Castle a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we should just jump into the movies. The... Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. There's yes. a lot of, um, while the plot isn't so much the same, there's a lot of elements uh, that are the same. You know what I mean? There is some plot similarities. Yeah, but it's not, there's no like it's same through line. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's not like kidnap person with autism and make money out of them. 
like our previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not so so specifically. Here is here is the plot line that's the same in both movies. But there's a lot of elements, like a lot of elements that were very similar. Which is funny because allegedly both movies aren't good adaptations of the books. Um, so it's funny that they the books were written based on the same thing, and the movies have still turned out to be quite similar. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, watching Stardust today. Um, and just going, like, 2007, it's like, oh, you know, you, you've got some of these interesting, you know, you look at it now and you're like, oh, that person's, like, super famous, because, um, what's his name, something, Cox? Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. He was an unknown at the time. Yeah. Almost everyone else in it is... Yeah, super famous. Was super famous at the time. Yeah, and then Charlie Cox being the main character, and it's just like, oh, for those who don't know and don't remember, it's Daredevil. Yeah, from, I had... Marvel Daredevil. So I had the opposite... Um, kind of revelation to you because you obviously watch this and we're like hey it's Daredevil yeah. whereas I watched Daredevil and I was like this is the dorky guy from Stardust <laughs> what are they doing how is he going to play Daredevil and I was like oh pr- pretty well actually yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because the studio really didn't want to cast an unknown they really wanted Orlando Bloom um, uh... and the writer the co-writer and director of the of the movie was like I want to cast this guy because I think he can play the kind of dorky guy at the beginning, but also be the, you know, the suave hero by the end of it. Yeah. I think he can do both characters. Um, and th- he got the studio off his back by casting very well-known actors in other roles by Landa, you know, Robert De Niro yeah. and Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> you know, Mark Strong, um, Claire Danes, obviously. Uh, and that was how they... they he he convinced the studio to let him cast uh, a a basic unknown at the time, um, in the lead role. Yeah, it's interesting too because um, we watched *Hell's Moving Castle* in the original Japanese. Yeah. Um, you haven't seen it in English. No. And it's interesting because I've watched it so many times in English because usually I'm too lazy to read subtitles Fair unless enough. it's a movie set in a country, because this is clearly medieval Europe. Um. And, you know, like, I'll watch a movie that's set in a, you know, all the South Korean movies. I'm not watching the horrible English edits and, like, oh, yeah, yeah. dubs of them. I mean... What did we watch recently that started with... Oh, it was The Peninsula. Yeah, started was, with them speaking English. Yeah, we were confused awful. by it. Um, <laughs> but the, some of the dialogue in Hell's Moving Castle is different. And I prefer... Um, the dialogue of the Japanese edit, well, right. the Japanese do- dialogue than the English, because, like, as you said, I couldn't stand, this is what you said, I'm quoting you now, yeah. um, hearing <laughs> Billy Crystal being Calcifer. Yeah, I, because I haven't, I haven't listened to it, and I was like, I don't, like, because we watched, so we watched your DVD of How's Moving Castle, and we watched it in Japanese with English subtitles, but at the end, the English credits came up, so we've just watched a whole Japanese movie, and then it's like, oh, this was Christian Bale, I was like, wow, I didn't yeah. know he was so fluent in Japanese, um, but yeah, when I saw Billy Crystal as Calcifer, I was like, I just can't, like, there's Mike Wazowski yeah. doing Calcifer, I just, like, because I, I can't imagine Billy Crystal not sounding like Billy Crystal. Again, like what you said about getting big names, and I think that's one of the big draws because obviously, you know, the 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 distribution company realised how well 
um, Spirited Away did. Yeah. And they were just like, no, 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 like top name billing, like we're going to get Christian Bale in here. Like, Well, Christian Bale allegedly had seen Spirited Away and was like, I'll do any, I'll do any voice. Yeah, and yeah. They, he thought they were going to cast him as Turnip Head. <laughs> he didn't. And then he was like, wait, I'm the title <laughs> character? I'm the lead one. How did that happen? Um, but yeah, because I had said to you, I started saying to you, and then you were like, save it for the podcast. Um, that when I watched Spirited Away with the English dub, I just couldn't get over the fact that Divide Chase is just doing Lilo. It's just Lilo again, yeah. but as Chihiro. And what I was going to say to you when you were like, no, don't tell me what you're going to say, yeah. is there's a line from the English dub of Spirited Away which lives in my head rent-free, which is, there's a moment... Because studio in Studio Ghibli films, they don't explain things to you. You just know them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. They just show it, and you're like, oh, I get it. And in Spirited Away, there's a whole... I, this isn't... I, I don't want to... I'll say briefly, maybe spoilers for people who haven't seen Spirited Away, which is not a movie we're discussing, you're discussing in total here. Um, there's a whole thing where... We, you know, we know this. We just know it inherently because that's how these work. Um, Haku, who has been the guy who's at the, you know, the bathhouse with her, is a dragon. He transform he transforms into a water dragon. He's the spirit of a river that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. So he's the spirit of the river. Uh, so he has this dragon form, and then he transforms into into boy form. Also, he's voiced by uh, the guy who voices Max Goof in the English dub as well. So and and t- uh, more. For me, Tino Tonatini from The Weekenders. So I can only hear him as Tino Tonatini as well. Anyway, there's a line in it where... or there's In the Japanese original, Chihiro just sees the dragon and then, like, runs to help. Yeah. In the English dub, even though her mouth doesn't move, nothing is happening. She goes, Haku is the dragon? Why? (laughs) (laughs) I could... I can figure that out myself. I don't need her to just suddenly announce it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm watching the movie. I'm gonna. That's gonna become apparent. You don't need to just like go, hey, side sideline for the audience. Haku is the dragon. Yeah. Did you know? I revealed it for you. Anyway, rant over. Back to the movies. <laughs> it's usually my plan. Um. I think that's why you wanted me to save it for the podcast. Yes, indeed, I did. You wanted me to do a rant. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Hell's Moving Castle is clearly like a medieval Europe that's sort of... like It's interesting because I really like this genre because it's not steampunk. Yeah. It's like magic punk. It's yeah. like hex yeah. punk almost. Yeah. Um, um, and this is, it's not so much with Stardust, because obviously there's the real world, and then this like weird magic realm. Can I say something to you about Hell's Moving Castle? Well, that's the whole premise of this episode. I know, but the book, the book version of it, and it's funny because I saw a Tumblr post about this the other day, so if anyone's following us on Tumblr, you'll have seen me um, reblog this already, because I was like, i got to reblog it to the podcast, because I knew we were doing this episode. Um... And I've also seen other things about it. The you know how in Howl's Moving Castle the movie, um, there's the black area that the door goes to, yeah. and and um, you know his assistant is like, well, only Howl knew, knows where that goes. Yeah. 
and then we kind of see that it goes to like a, a war torn you know it's like in the middle of a war where he's fighting or whatever yeah, yeah. that was inserted by Hayao Miyazaki because Hayao Miyazaki hates war and wants to talk about war in all his films yeah in the book the door opens to modern day Wales what? <laughs> well I guess the book was written in the 80s so 1980s in Wales, right. it, it just to like his home, he just like goes there and like plays rugby with the boys and hangs out with his sister who tells him to get a real job. And he's like, I'm a wizard. And she's like, no, a real job. And then he gets back into, goes back through the magic portal into this magic realm. So the, the world that they, that Sophie lives in and that the movie takes place in, because the movie is entirely in this place, is like a, a magical kingdom where um, fairy tale tropes are real. Yeah. But in the book, he just goes to Wales. He just comes and goes from Wales to the thing, which it feels more like Stardust to me. So I can I yeah, can yeah, see yeah. that because uh, obviously in Stardust they're in you know rural England and then they cross over a wall into a Magic Kingdom through a portal. Yeah, and it's it's confusing to set a time in in the rural England and and it's apparently not because why? there is a moment. Where um, someone, oh yeah, so someone says they're gonna sell when they when they're selling the billy goat, they're selling it for a florin, which is a coin that was issued in Britain only between the years of eighteen forty nine and nineteen sixty seven. So we have a relative time frame there. I mean, it's about a hundred years, but still, it's it's late late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds yeah. is when it is when it's said. It's it's, but it is very timeless. Yeah, it's also the fact that like the main character, um, Tristan. Yeah, Tristan doesn't freak out at seeing things that would blow the mind of like a seventeen hundreds person. Yeah. But also like magical stuff happens, and he's just like, "Yeah, cool. I'm like on board with this." Um. So it is a very weird, like, placement of, like, you know, rural England. Hey, I guard this wall, and I'm the same age, even though your dad went through it, and now you're going through it. Um, it's, I think that's probably my favourite non-character character in the entire movie, is the guy whose job it is to defend To guard the, the gap in the wall. Guard, yeah. guard the gap in the wall. Um... And I'm trying to remember of something it also reminded me of, which was going to annoy the hell out of me. Um, the Northern Lights books. Right. Have you read those? No. Oh, okay. They've screwed them up with the TV show and the the um, horrible movie. Right. Um, but it is like weirdly jumping dimensions to places that are yeah. like the past, but then like modern day, but it's not modern day because obviously when it was written and blah, blah, blah. But it did remind me a little bit about that. But yeah, the Hell's, Hell's Moving Castle setting is fascinating to me because, yeah, like the war machines are powered by magic, but they're also like over the top, borderline like Dr. Zeus drawn, mm. like war machines, like giant metal boats that are like even more advanced than we had during World War Two. Yeah. yet seem shittier. And um, you've still got, like, castle settings and, like, non-electricity, but then you've got cars running around. Yeah. And it's, it's I, I love it, because it's, it's very... Studio Ghibli have this, like, 
ability to like blend genres in together because like the first movie I ever saw made by them was uh, North Dakota in the Valley of the Wind, which again is like they've got machine guns and like airships and stuff, mm-hmm. yet there's still knights fighting with like armor and swords. Mm. I mean, think of Porco Rosso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like it barely acknowledged that he's just a talking pig. Yeah, and it's clearly set after World War One. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really love it. I really love the 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 setting because it's just it's such that perfect blend of like people running around with bolt-action rifles and also guys who turn into giant flying monsters. Yeah. And also flying airships that don't make any sense based on physics. Yeah, they're very... Um, Studio Ghibli have a, have a real way of, like, designing weird, magical things that are, like, part magic, part um, engineering, but look... Like they're ba- like they're supposed to be alive. Yeah. Like they look like there's some kind of bug or like a. You the, know. the the like little glider things they have clearly wouldn't fly. Mm. Um, but they're also really cool, and I I love the fact that like, the control lever when Sophie like rescues Hal after pretending to be his mum, and then they do that split, and she's like trying to figure out how to fly this thing. Yeah. It's, like a like. It's like a aviation, like a modern, I say modern, but I'm saying like actual like motorized planes. So everything from World War One onwards um, stick. So obviously you've got, you know, nine degrees of, of, of movement. Plus it's got like a ship steering wheel, mm. which doesn't make any sense. Like if you can go in all axes... Yeah. Why do you also need a wheel on it? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make it. And there's a lever. I'm like, is that the accelerator? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's very it's very interesting to design something. As an adult, you can sit there and be like, it's semi plausible, but I still don't understand how would this fly. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think of the weird airship in Stardust? Because they also have the, a weird the, airship. Yeah, the weird airship in Stardust is more like. Peter Pan type thing. I was going to say, um, there are a lot of ships very similar in uh, the Magic the Gathering. Right. Because um, I think they're called Weatherlights in Magic the Gathering. Okay. Um, again, something similar in um, the Mortal Engines series, the box, not the movie, um, where they're like... Oh yeah, because it's got a blimp. It's it's faster than a blimp can be because it's got giant engines on the side of it, and yeah. you know, pirates, space pirates, sky pirates, not space pirates. Yeah, sky pirates. Sky pirates is like a, a running thing in like those worlds, and which mm-hmm. I love, because that's a very steampunk ideal. Yeah. Of like, oh, you know, uh, um, Laputa Castle in the Sky is another one. Yeah. Which yeah. have like sky pirates, and I love sky pirates. They're yeah. fantastic. It's this like. I like we'll, take, we'll, take, um, we'll take everything about regular pirates about and then the just sky. Do, uh, <laughs> a, a hot air balloon on top of the, the ship. We'll still have sails. <laughs> we'll still be like, ah, and still have sword fights, but just blimp on top of the sailboat. Done. Um, sorted. I like sky that pirate. they're like collecting lightning. Yeah, they're harvesting lightning as a job. Yeah. That's their, that's how they make their money is harvesting lightning. Yeah, I love how like, um, um, what why have I got forgotten his name? I've literally read Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. I was <laughs> gonna say um, 
El, El, no, who's the other guy that looks so, for so similar to him? El, El, no. Al Pacino doesn't look like him. Just, like, what are you talking him, about? Al Pacino and, and, um, and Marlon Brando? No, no, and Robert De Niro. <laughs> they get confused in my mind all the time. You, um, must, you must have a really hard time watching Heat. I haven't watched it in ages. It's on my list of, like, movies to rewatch. I think it's the reason I keep missing it is because, like, every time I'm, like, home alone and you're coming home in, like, several hours and I'm like, oh, I could watch a movie. And then I'm like, oh, this is, like, three hours and you're going to be home in two. Um, Fair. So I never do it. Um, yeah, just, like, the, even, like, we'll talk over Michelle Pfeiffer because, like, her, like, weird... I'm young again, horny at herself scene in the mirror was funny to me. Mm. Um, like, she still would have been just on the, like, obviously, like, the, the used goods, Hollywood shit used to do to old, old, old mm. people getting older. Unless they were men, they were just like, oh, we'll make the lady younger and younger and younger. Um, it, yeah, she was, like, right at that, like, sort of downturn to probably not getting as many like I'm sexy roles because mm -hmm. um, like the you, you've seen the Batman movie where she plays Catwoman yeah that's like tw I was going to say 20 years ago this is not it's what it probably is almost 20 years ago this it was, it was late 80s yeah was, late 80s but this was 2007 so yeah probably 18 17 18 years before this yeah I'm trying to figure out when that movie was. Oh my god, I hate the fact that different people write different ways of Wikipedia and you have to find where it is. She had to be sewn into that outfit. Right. It's, it, the, the thing I find funny is because there's a lot of modern movies, uh, Marvel is a perfect example, both the Sony owned stuff and the non Sony owned stuff, Disney owned, um, where you have actors complaining about their makeup regimes. And I think we touched on it um, in the, the Christmas episodes the where yeah, episode, Jim yeah. Carrey got a CIA person to come teach him like to how to resist torture. Yeah, yeah. And was just like yelling at people and chain smoking cigarettes while he was getting entombed <laughs> in like several layers of yak fur and makeup. Um, but yeah, she was like physically sewn into her Catwoman yeah. outfit. She uh, wouldn't be the only one. There's definitely yeah a whole lot of people in you know outfits and different things where where people have been sewn into. Like them, um the the other one, uh, Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine in Star Trek. I know you, right. you're rolling your eyes right now. I'm not. Um, she was like borderline passing out because of like. Star Trek, for those who don't know, including my co-host, lovely Lisa, have a horrific history with awful uniforms being made for the like the main characters. Mm. Like, just the material, everything, um, to the point where it started making, like, canon stuff in the show. Um, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Like, like, costume design taken into... A lot of movies, like even um, on the on the whole fact that it's sort of like sort of medieval, but not really. Like um, the work that has to go into armor is insane, and there's like several different techniques of making like chainmail look real on screen. And I think the funniest one by far is uh, what they did for uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail. Mm. 
Mm. Where they're just like head coloured wool as their chainmail. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like you get multi million dollar productions and it's just like, well, that's clearly plastic. Oh, that's clearly plastic. Oh, that looks like actual metal. And then you yeah. get Lord of the Rings, Lord which of the is Rings, like, I was gonna say. everything's handmade by actual blacksmiths and it's all yeah, incredibly it was, insane. It's just real. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've felt the different kinds of chainmail they had because we've been on that wedding tour and yeah. like, there, there is some that is plastic, whatever, but it, like you wouldn't be yeah, able to tell when it. it's when it's especially like distance, and then for all the close-up stuff, they've got the actual real chainmail. And it's also very temperamental. Like people just think that it's like, oh, it's metal, therefore, but it's like, no, you're talking about like interlinked rings that has to be like oiled, mm. otherwise it just like turns to rust. Yeah, like maintaining that stuff from an like accurate point in time yeah yeah like no wonder like it only took you had to be super like not super rich but you had to be well paid to afford actual armor yeah in that era because like looking after it alone would have been a nightmare because you don't have stainless steel like we do we're just like oh i'm just not just gonna wet this cutlery and leave it it's like well this is the reason that like when people first got um cutlery in england because it was, like, big in France at the time. And it was just like, cool, rich people get silver, and everybody else ate with lead. Mm. It's like, well done, guys. <laughs> I don't know what poison means. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the costumes in, 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 well, obviously not both movies, but definitely in Star Wars, right. like, do some decent, like, fun, some, you know, not sci-fi fantasy sort of, stuff yeah like uh the uh what happens on the on the on the ship where they get the new outfits is really mm -hmm. funny but like the royal where they cut his hair and his hair is longer yeah, after yeah, they yeah. cut his hair yeah <laughs> the royals yeah they all have apparently i didn't I, I had read it but i didn't notice it um apparently all of the brothers have um designed patterns on their outfits that have the roman numerals of whichever number they are right because obviously they're all named after what order they are in, of, yeah. in birth <laughs> you've got like primus secundus etc yes, septimus it was interesting um no it was 92 so it wasn't it was oh this was 15, 15 years, years. Um, took me that long to find it. Thanks, whoever edited Michelle Pfeiffer's Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> yes, no, it's it's um, it's you know, it's, everything about it is actually enjoyable. Like it's not a great movie. Like it's Stardust. Not, yeah, it's, it's a really enjoyable movie. Yeah, I I really like it. It's one of those movies I would watch again, but not for like a sequential number of years. It. Is, has a five in it. Okay. So in five years, we're going to watch Stardust again? Possibly. Well, no, probably in five years' time, we'll have watched 10,000 10, movies between now and then. <laughs> I don't even remember anything I've said or who I was uh, anymore. Only replaced with podcast content. Um, no, it's just, yeah, obviously the, the outfits and the style, but everything about Hells and Moving Castle and all the Studio Ghibli movies are like over the top and then not at the same time hmm. um it's very interesting because for those who don't know history 
up until World War One. Actually, no, during World War One, the French still wore like full blue uniforms. Mm. And what color are the uniforms in Hell's Moving Castle, Lisa? Green. Blue. What are you talking about? The. What? Are you colorblind? <laughs> Am I finding out now? On the <laughs> Uh no, I was thinking the the king where the prince wears green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was wearing green. He was De- wearing green. He definitely was wearing green. Yeah. And all the all his guys were wearing green. Yeah, but the soldiers were wearing blue. Okay. Yeah. Which is like that's what the French were literally in like when they were fighting in trenches and also Napoleon area, they were still mm-hmm. wearing blue. Mm-hmm. They were just like, we're going to stick with a primary colour. And the English went red and then brown. And they've stuck with brown ever since. Um, I won't talk about the other side. Um, it's No, it's interesting because, like, yeah, the, the costume design in all, you know, all of those movies are fantastic. Um, like, the whole premise of, like, the chosen one being a woman in a red dress for... Um, also go to the belly of the wind. No, blue, blue, sorry, blue. Um, blue or red? Maybe it's purple. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Oh my it's getting, it's very warm in here. I'm like well, slowly I mean, losing my faculties. We, if we were talking more about the movies, maybe this wouldn't be happening. Fair enough. You're just like, oh, we've barely spoken about the movies because yeah. we just want to talk about different things. But that's, that's the good thing about a movie. You can, you know, you can. These movies in, in particular, there is so much like other stuff you can bring into it. She's definitely wearing blue. Not yeah. Like yeah. Pretty blue. Yeah. Though I don't know why you said she was wearing red. Yeah, it's part of the plot. Um, <laughs> it's definitely part of the plot that people have seen. Maybe it's purple. No, I'm pretty sure it's red. Um, I'm going to lose my mind. Someone, someone join our Discord and correct me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the movies that we actually watched, which were not Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Yeah, or um, Mortal Engines, um, or Lord of the Mortal Knights, or um, what <laughs> we mentioned. I'm like I'm stuck really to my screwed it away. We've been screwed away yeah. quite a bit. Um, do you want to talk about things that are similar between them? Oh, yes. Let's start on that. There's um, a lot. There's a lot. So. Obviously, Falling Stars. Yeah. Holds. There's a whole. Calcifer is a fire demon. Yeah. And Hal, tra- as a boy, trades his heart to Calcifer for power. Yeah. Um, but Calcifer originally was a fallen star. Yeah. Right? And then he ate him and then gave him his heart. Yeah. Um, and then gained magic abilities through that. Because he let, or, or yeah, ca- yeah. he's able to use Calcifer's magic. Yeah. And then in. Stardust, there's a fallen star who is a woman yeah. when she's on the magic side, but if she crosses over, she will become just a, a rock, a piece of space junk. Um, and that's not what actually would happen, but yeah, there's a whole there's a whole lore around, and we see that it's it's not just lore, like it's it has happened that you, if you eat the heart of a falling star, you can essentially live forever. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's a, a similar kind of a yeah, gain, vein there. Gaining, gaining magical abilities by eating hearts. Yes. Yeah. Basically. 
So that's been the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's also uh, something that I thought was interesting because it's a it's a link between the villain in one and the a hero in the other is um, the damage done by magic. So like in in Stardust, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is like a really old evil witch, but she eats some of the uh, the heart of the previous star they had caught and becomes young, sexy Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, and then when she uses magic, she starts to grow old again. So, like, she, you start to see signs that she's getting older um, and, you know, and going back to her true age. Um, and in Howl's Moving Castle, you see the similar thing with Howl, that when he's using magic, then you, he's getting the, like, the monster is creeping in, he's growing feathers and things. Yeah. There's um, also, like, a huge thing with um the witch of the wastes as yes. well being very linked to michelle pfeiffer's character absolutely yeah she's very much just the... being obsessed with getting a heart and you know not understanding the consequences of it all yeah and being you know that old both of them are are, are older witches yeah. who are disguising themselves and younger and there's um both with the 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 Witch of the Waste and Howl and Michelle Pfeiffer's character, there's this desire for youth and beauty. Because yeah. there's a quote that I took down from Howl um, where he said, because um, he accidentally dyed his hair, um, and he said, what's the point in living if you're not beautiful? Yeah. Um, which really pisses off Sophie, who has never considered, considered herself beautiful. Um, and she's like, are you saying like my whole life is worthless? You yeah. know? Um, and that's very much what's what the witches in Stardust are chasing as well as youth and beauty, and they're willing to go to totally extreme lengths to get that. It's also super weird that um, in in Stardust, his mum hasn't aged. Yeah, I thought that was odd because his dad is played by a totally different character. Because yeah, his, his dad is his dad is played by Ben Barnes at the beginning. Yeah, so Ben who Barnes... is who you'd expect to be the lead yeah goes over the wall has <laughs> some fun times in the back of like a traveling cart mm-hmm. and then nine months later is like here's your son yeah i wrote a letter and gave him a magic candle but how does a magic candle work in the real world i don't know plop <laughs> um pothole and then yeah it's just like and then he's like i'm, I'm guessing like 18 yeah, he say, they, say, they say it. Yeah. They say it. Ian McKellen tells us. Yeah. At the beginning, when he's narrating. So his mum hasn't aged at all. Yeah, so it's, because uh, it's, um, yeah, it's been 19 years since we've seen his, his mother and then she looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, which is odd. But then you also see all her brothers, because it turns out, spoiler alert, that his, his mother is the sister of the seven the princes. Dead, the dead princes. Yeah, the seven princes. Who it's that's such a bizarre. I mean, that's how the story starts, and that's that's very like abstract or like absurdist almost thing. Where it's like the beginning of this all is that there's these, um, there's a king who's dying, and he was he was one of twelve brothers, and he had to kill his eleven brothers to become king. Yeah. And he's disappointed in his sons because he had seven sons and only and there's still four of them left yeah. alive when he's dying. He's like, you should, one of you should have killed all the rest by now. Yeah. Um, and then he, so instead of, you know, one of them inheriting it based on having killed all their brothers, he sends off this jewel and it brings the star down. That's how the whole thing starts. Um, but the, that whole, like, why is that the ritual? Why, 
Why is that the uh, how you how you get crowned king in that Yeah, it seems thing? very counterproductive because then what would happen if one of them was crowned king and then died? Yeah, or never produced an heir. Like yeah. you, you'd want to have con- contingencies. Yeah, like <laughs> you, you want your brothers to have. Because um, I can't remember the name of them. It's gonna drive me nuts. The people who are obsessed with ancient Rome, get in the comments. Um, one of the Caesars was like hiding in a closet. When the previous Caesar died, he was literally like, "Leave me alone! Like I don't want to be Caesar." Right. He was like, "Get out of here! We're gonna put the wreath on you." It's <laughs> like, "No, please, please don't do it." Yeah. Um. And it's the same happened with like English history. Mm. I don't know that much about like the lineage of kings in France, but it happened a lot in England where they're just like, and then, and then of course in literature. Mm-hmm. So those because both things are taught. Is factual, not factual. It gets very confusing. It's just like, oh yes, uh, the king died. The son is too, the, the heir is too young. I'm the creepy uncle and I'm going to take over. <laughs> oh no, the son died. Oh wait, he came back with a magic sword. Um, magic based on, sword? Based on historical events. I thought you were going with Hamlet until you said magic sword. Yeah. <laughs> Was that not the plot of Hamlet you were doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, then he wanted to divorce his wife, so he started his own religion. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that is true. Yeah. I thought you were still talking about Hamlet for a second, then I realized you it was Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, there's still yeah, there's more similarities between them. I've forgotten. Okay. What similarities would you like to talk about? Uh, the power of love. The power of love. Yeah. The curious thing. Yeah. Is. The one I like. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I don't understand the turnip head thing that happened. Because turnip head, turnip head is a scarecrow. Who, who's got a head of a turnip. Yeah. Who's like stuck in a bush. And then Sophie like, rescues him. And then he's just like her, her like magical manservant. He just follows around and stuff. And then like at the end of the movie, she kisses him on the cheek and he turns into... A, the missing prince. The missing prince. Who's and he's caused like, the entire war. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, but you could only have been cured by a kiss from your beloved. And then, But she's in love with Howell. And then the, her and Howell are there. And the prince is like... Right, I guess I'll go then. Did you also notice at the end of it, he just literally grabs a stick and flies away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's, he's, he's maintained the magical abilities from this. From this but, like, the, the overarching plot line is he's a missing prince. Yeah, yeah. Who's gone missing in the territory of another country. Yeah. So the other side is obviously thinking he's been kidnapped or murdered. Yeah. But he's just pissed off the witch of the waste, so she turned him into a scarecrow. Yeah. And just dumped him like and in then a he, bush. Well, he gets trapped in things all the time because he's clearly an idiot. Yeah. Um. I mean, in fairness, if you got turned into a scarecrow and you just had like a one stick you had to bounce on, yeah, I but like all the rest of the time he's like borderline like agility level yeah. he picks up the witch of the waste and like carry like flies yeah i with her, don't understand how he does that helps them with washing finds house moving castle i do love in that the opposite direction then come you know it's very funny to me that you know she she picks him up because she thought he was a stick and she's like oh he's looking for a walking stick and she he gets her one and then she's like oh why don't you get me a house to sleep in yeah. and then he just brings a house to her <laughs> It's like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. 
Um, I don't want to talk about Hell's Moving Castle, the actual yes. physical castle. Yes, it's very cool. It's very cool. We watched that video of the guy make it. Um, yeah, I kept thinking about when, when we were watching the Like how the insane movie. it is when you actually look at the whole, like, the way he had to go through it by, like, taking stills from the movie. Yeah, and the and I mean, the thing is that even in the movie it changes. Yeah. Like... It's also bizarre to me, re-watching it this time, because I didn't actually think about it, the... When Hal changes places, he takes Calcifer out of the, the, the fire pit, or Heath, and changes the physical layout of the inside of the castle. But then you realise that they're not existing inside the castle. Mm. The castle is just a shell made out of garbage. Yeah. And that's how they can travel through all the portal doors. Yes, yeah. and you kind of you see that again when when Sophie takes Calcifer out of it and yeah. it falls down and none of the stuff that was in there is in there. Yeah. Um. Then like the portal sucks up and then it's it's literally just a, a pile of garbage. Yeah. So Calcifer is keeping the pile of garbage moving, keeping them hidden, keeping the portals going, keeping whatever. Yeah. Made up dimension they're in. No one really complains consistently of having yeah. to make hot water. It's just like, bro, do you understand how much shit <laughs> I'm doing right now? But that's why he loves it then when Sophie's like, because she kind of dismisses him at first, and then she's like, wait, are you doing this? Yeah. He's like, yeah. And she's like, this is the greatest magic I've ever seen. He's like, oh, let me show you this. Yeah. I've got recognition for the first time in probably yeah. decades. Yeah. I'm emotionally abused, even though I'm literally a demon made out of fire. Um,. Yeah, it's, it's funny watching, back to the power of love, you know, you go from, like, a guy who's just like, I'm trying to find this fallen star to give to this girl I like, who's clearly a shallow piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna literally take a woman hostage, and then, like, march her back X amount of miles, he doesn't even know how far it is. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to go take you, like, literally, here's a chain that's magic, like, we're going back to the wall, lady. And then, you know, obviously, hearts soften, and then, you know, hijinks ensue, and they fall in love with each other, and mm -hmm. literally goes back and tells the mortal person, like, don't like you anymore. Marry Henry Cavill. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, it's Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because the first thing where he's on screen is dark. And yeah, I, yeah. Like, was not watching. Also, he's younger and, like, blonde or ginger yeah, and has blonde. a moustache and yeah. sideburns. Yeah, he's got a very, like, Victorian moustache combo thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I do love the, um, the, when, when, um, Victoria is, is, like, saying, oh, yeah, you know, you went all that way to do it, so, yeah, sure, I'll, you know, whatever. And um, Tristan, like, dips her and then is like, throw up and just drops her yeah. on the ground. It's so good. Um, he's very, yeah. And the, but the power of love thing, the other thing related to that is um, the transformations that happen because of it. Because you see in Stardust, obviously, she's a star. And when she's seeing him or when she's thinking about him or when she, or, you know, while she's, she's falling in love and yeah. she's having those feelings, she glows, she yeah. shines. And you see that happen in Hell's Moving Castle as well, because especially like it's most, it happens a bunch of times, but it's most noticeable when Sophie is standing up for Hell to um, Suleiman, yeah. where she just like turns back into young Sophie without realizing she's even doing it just because she's talking about Hell and, yeah. you know, how, how good he is. Um, and it's that same idea of like, 
giving away to other people without even realizing it that that she's in love when maybe she hasn't even considered those are her actual feelings yeah. yet because that it's it's a, you know a form of magic in in these in these worlds it's a very weird curse to pull on somebody of like stealing their youth yeah. and then just being like oh you can't tell anybody yeah. was like, well, that's a really bad spell. <laughs> yeah. And the witch of the and she's like, so the witch of the waste, like, fix me, and she's like, I can't. Yeah, like, yeah. Nothing I can, I can make spells. I don't yeah. know how to break them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's the whole idea, and again, this is in I I don't want to watch the English version because I'm afraid they're gonna do a, a spirited way on it and and just announce it, <laughs> but like the whole kind of there's like just subtleties throughout it where you're realizing that Sophie actually is a witch or she does have that innate magic ability because otherwise she wouldn't be able to control that and she yeah. wouldn't you know have been able to to get her and her pet to follow around and she wouldn't have been able to do like half the things she's able to do so she obviously does have innate magic in her yeah um uh, but it's never like it really ex- expressly addressed yeah but it's clearly you know she's able to do a bunch of things she's able to do that a normal girl wouldn't be able to do yeah, because she says that, like, when I get passionate, I get a burst of energy. Right. And it's literally, like, her... This curse that's been put on her is literally trying to, like, destroy her. But then, like, doing things for other people is what's, like, giving her, like, her power... Like, her life back. Yeah, yeah. So she's literally, like, making her... Like, she's countering the spell that people don't know how to break. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, so she does have some kind of strong magic that she doesn't know about or know how to control necessarily but and it's, it's interesting there. because like everybody else just sees her as this old lady yeah but then you get like weird sequences where it's clearly how looking at her yeah because the, the scene where she's like first sleeping yeah she's back to like normality yeah and how's just like sitting there watching her and he gets like a weird creepy twinkle twinkle in his eye mm-hmm. and then he like goes upstairs to have his bath and then comes down all ugly and stupid yeah um apparently in the book He's like, um, he knows the whole time that she's Sophie, but he like tries to, or you know that she that she's under a curse, but he tries to reverse it and it doesn't work, and he's like, oh, I guess she just likes being this way, yeah. and never addresses it with her, <laughs> and it's only like afterwards that he that she's like, wait, why didn't you do anything if you knew? Which I think is funny that he's like, oh, I think. but I mean, it would make sense also if you know if he had the ability to lift it, but when he tried to, she it didn't work because yeah. she unconsciously was keeping it on yeah because she could just get rid of it when she wanted to sorry there was a moment of silence I'm just mm-hmm. very warm and very conscious of the fact that if I move forward I might make like horrible skin against um, oh don't do that material <laughs> s- s- sticky noises um have you got any I don't would there be is there much trivia about studio Ghibli movies or I mean, I mostly just kind of looked at trivia about the book, to be honest, which I've, oh, okay. which I've kind of gotten into anyway. Because um, box yeah. office obviously doesn't compute, because oh, yeah, it's I five years apart and one's animated and yeah, I didn't even look far more popular than the other one. And they're also, you know, different, totally different audiences, and you know, made in different countries and everything, and yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't looked, we could look at the budgets, I suppose. Uh, I'm doing it now. You're so doing it now? You want to get into the... Uh... Yeah, so I think I've given, I've basically, throughout what we were talking about, given all the 
stuff I was going to say about um, trivia-wise for Helsinki Castle. Um, for Stardust, um, I think I've talked about a lot of this as well. Uh, Robert De Niro, I thought this was funny. Robert De Niro turned down the role of Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean and then regretted it when yeah. the movie came out. Yeah. And he took this role because of that. He was like, okay, I'm not turning another one. <laughs> I'll take this one. Like, honestly, I'm kind of glad he did. Mm. Because the Barbosa that we got is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I like Robert De Niro in Stardust. Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd role. It reminded me a lot of um, Steed Bonnet, because we've been watching Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. The, the whole, like, gentleman pirate thing where he's, like, keeping up the pirate reputation, but that's not really what he wants to do. Um, Lying about murdering people so other people don't screw with them, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, a, this, a, this one I just thought was weird, but I didn't notice it in the film. So, in the, when they're in the inn and they, so when Tristan and Yvain uh, confess their love to each other. Yeah. Um, and then they share a bed. It was filmed with Charlie Cox topless. Yeah. And then they decided that it was too suggestive. So there's a shirt digitally imposed onto him. Oh, wow. For that scene. <laughs> They're just like, no, no, no. Let's just, let's just put, a, put a shirt on him and post. That, the only issue with that is, is, does that mean he's like one of you pulling it? What is that he's shirt on top and was like, no? Because I think the idea was that he was only shirtless right. in the in the thing. He wasn't like naked. I think he was shirtless, but because like the, there's covers over them. But I noticed that like in the you know she's topless in it. I she's think. naked more than he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was bizarre that they were like, no, it's too suggestive if he's topless. Yeah. Um, this is something that I thought you picked up on when we were watching it, which is that the princes when they're killed they bleed blue blood. Yeah. Which is obviously. Um, because they're royal, they're literal blue bloods. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were like, what? Oh. <laughs> um, so I figured it out. But they also, it also would have allowed them to show those deaths more violently yeah, yeah. and keep the lower rating. There is a little bit of blood that, that appears in it, but it's, it's not, a lot. not a lot. Um, but I think, does Tristan ever bleed? I think Tristan bleeds, but he doesn't bleed blue. Or I think maybe he's got, he like, bleed. scrapes on his face, but, like, it's not, like... And I think it's from the end fight where he fights with zombie Mark Strong. Right. Which is a which fantastic... Is so cool. Such a good scene. That would have been, like, so much fun to choreograph. Yeah, it would have been so hard on the stunt. Yeah, I assume a stunt guy did it. Because, yeah. like, every time he's doing stuff, you can't see Mark Strong's face. Yeah. But there's, like, a bit in that where he's, like, walking on his ankles and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's... It's really cool. So, for for context, for people who are listening to this and haven't watched the movie, I... First of all, I recommend both these movies. They're very fun. Um, but there is... um So, these seven princes who are trying to get this gem end up all dead. But the last one of them is killed by the witch using a voodoo doll. Yeah. Where she's like breaking his arms and legs and stuff, and then she dunks him in water, and he literally floats up and drowns in the air, um, which is really cool anyway. But then when she's fighting Tristan, she picks up the doll and gets the the corpse of this guy to to fight with him, and it's such a cool sequence. Um, and meanwhile, all the the brothers' ghosts are watching on, and they and they're not sure what's going to happen because the the way it works in their world is that. 
um, they all become ghosts until one of them is crowned king. Yeah. And then they the ghosts can go off to the afterlife or whatever. So they're like, oh, I guess nothing's gonna. I guess we're just like this forever. Yeah. Um, and then it tur- and then they realize that this guy is their um their sister's son. So. No, their sister's son. I said. Yeah, he's their he's their nephew. Yeah, I thought you were saying he's their sister's nephew. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it means that yeah. So he is the the heir to the throne. He and he picks up the gem as well. Um, so then they get to all disappear. But they are all just sitting there watching this fight and like <laughs> turning to Septimus, being like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm I'm not doing this." Yeah. Um, Can I also talk about the fact that like yeah, they are chasing after a giant ruby. Yeah. But it isn't a ruby, it's just clear. Yeah. It's like, the royal stone must be turned back into a ruby. Yeah. So, from the outside world, she's just walking around with, like, a diamond the size of a walnut, and no one questions yeah, it or yeah, tries yeah. to steal it at all. <laughs> of the entire movie. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Um, so, the interesting facts I just located. Mm-hmm. So... Um, obviously there's a, there's a few years difference. Yeah. What do you think the budget of Stardust was? I would reckon House Movie Castle probably had a bigger budget. Um, Stardust. I don't know, it's got so many big names in it though. 70 million. It says 70 to 88. Hey, yeah. I'm getting good at estimating these. But you think Hell's Moving Castle costs more? I I mean I thought I was thinking in terms of like the production value of it, but but it wouldn't. I was gonna say it wouldn't have the cast, but it does because they have the English dub. I do they, but I don't know do they include that in the. It's two point four billion. Two point four billion. Yen. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it was, was twenty four. Like, twenty four million. Twenty four million. So it is million. way less. Yeah, and it made. Which one do you think made more? Hell's Moving Castle. Yeah, by a lot, by yeah. double. It made 236 versus 137. 137 million isn't bad for Stardust, though. Yeah, well, or... For, like, a weird... 23.2 billion yen. For a, for a weird, um, you know, a weird absurdist fantasy based on a Neil Gaiman novel based on a poem he hated. Yeah. You know, that's a... <laughs> Um, and we should acknowledge the author of the other book is uh, Diana Wynne Jones, which explains why he goes to Wales yeah. with a name like Wynne Jones. Um, but also good on them for casting a Welshman in the in the English dub because yeah. Christian Bale is is infamously Welsh. Infamously. Infamously Welsh. Yeah. Super Welsh. The Welshest. He's not the Welshest. <laughs> there are Welsher people than Christian yeah. Bale. Christian Bale is a Welsh actor. Which should be acknowledged because I think too many people think he's an English actor. Yeah. That's a Welshman. Anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about it? No, it is very warm in here. Thank you to those people who have followed us from 2023 into 2024. And of those who have found us in 2024 and gone back to the beginning of the year, hey, look, you've got several other years of backlog mm. content that can fulfill your ears. True. Don't listen to us on um, brain vibrating. Yeah, appar- apparently, apparently, apparently Nick's voice is too deep for those like um, the things that vibrate in your your temple and yeah. going in. So you you gotta like... you gotta put something you gotta listen with your ears. Yeah, you're tarting this yeah. to this one. Um, I was gonna say there must be people in the northern hemisphere. A lot of our listeners are in the northern hemisphere who listen to this 
and are like, why is he complaining about how warm it is every January? <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. It's hot in Wellington, guys. In in January is the warm season. <laughs> it gets warm. Northern Hemisphere have winter and Southern Hemisphere have summer. <laughs> and it basically rotates the opposite. It's the same with the day and night cycle. Yeah, true. Well, no, that's not true. It's, well, it's a line. It's, yeah. it's a line that Yeah, but parts of the Northern Hemisphere have day at the same time as us, and parts of the Southern Hemisphere have night when it's day. Yes, but then the majority, the, the majority of the places that Western cultures exist in aren't at the wake at the same time as each other when they're based in Northern versus Southern you, What are you talking about? Are you, like, excluding all of Africa and South America from the Southern Hemisphere? No, I'm just saying that... The majority of Western countries are in Europe and North America. No, they're not. What? The majority of countries are in Europe and North Western, America. Western. Western. Yeah, West. Yeah. No, not. Africa not. <laughs> is west of here. South America is further west than well, Europe. The, the, the spoiler alert: the planet is a globe, and everything is west of everything. <laughs> yeah, but if you're in, if you're counting Europe as west, South America is further west. European listeners and American listeners <laughs> are in the different different area. So directly above us is like Japan and stuff. It's not, that is further west of here as well. There's, there's like Russia. Russia is directly yeah. <laughs> Some part of Russia. It's very warm. Siberia. I'm losing my mind. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Oh, no, that's what you normally say. You can find us. <laughs> <laughs> Our website is ittakes2.co.nz. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, yeah, ittakes2.co.nz. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, not so much Twitter anymore. We do have a Discord server. The link is in the show notes, and you should come join and talk to us. But not if you want to play the game. It takes two, because that's what we've been getting lately. Yeah. Oh thing. no, I think we've had I think two people or maybe three people join who thought that it was for the game. It takes two. I don't know how they found us though. Yeah, that's very confusing. S- searching places for it takes two discord English speakers so yes it's, it's been very it's like google trying translate to ex- help yeah trying to explain no no please this is this you can play the game but this is not for that you can you can talk to us about our meta. podcast we what? have like a sub channel within the discord of like it takes two the game the game <laughs> <laughs> this is for people to talk about the game and ignore us anyway thank you Goodbye, stay cold or warm, depending on your respective season. There you go, let's rip. Goodbye. <laughs>